Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. And this is Trav. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast, your podcast of finding out more things about what should be put on your character sheet. Mm -hmm. uh, this topic was uh, given to us by uh, one of our, uh, uh, it was it on the Tri-Tac Gamers uh, site? Yep, on the TriTech Games forum site. Yes. Okay. Uh, by a uh, a user with the uh, uh, moniker of Dances with Ponies, and he thought that uh, the topic that we did on what's on your character sheet was a really good one, but he wanted to talk more about uh, character motivations, uh, not player motivations, as in why would you play this game, but the characters themselves. All right, so any, anything else on the external goals? No, nothing else comes to mind, I think. I mean, uh, well, other than they can feel kind of imposed sometimes, too. I mean, there, there are... We're, we're talking about things that are being imposed upon your player character, okay? You may not... Your character's motive, personality and motivations have, may have nothing originally to do with this. This was actually d done to them. By people who you know thought that they knew better, and this is they wanted their agendas to be to be supported by your character. Remember, son, you're American. You gotta project American ideals. You're gonna be surrounded by all these and use all your ethnic epithets you want to use. But remember, you're an American, or you're a proper Canadian. External goals are those that are imposed upon your character, but that that makes doesn't mean that you shouldn't accept them as a player. I mean, you know, the whole reason that we have these things is to make your play richer, is to give you know more nuances to what you're doing, because otherwise you're just this you know generic person who's got a, a bunch of skills who are going out there in this game and you're having an adventure, but they're really what you're really doing is you're, you know, uh, what's the term, uh, Mary Sue or uh, Marty Stew? You know, you're basically Mary Sue or Marty Stewing yourself. You're, you're, you're basically putting a, another uh, skin over yourself and playing yourself on the front path. And if that's what you want to do, hey, that's fine. But, which, but you should be honest about it and say, what are my motivations then? You know, make, let's make sure I'm playing my motivations and what kind of motivations would people be putting on to me? You know, so, I mean, if you're going to play a role-playing game, it just seems to me that you should be, you know, using, you know, as much nuances about your character as you can. And a lot of times these external motivations, nine times out of ten, they're going to conflict with what you want to do. Problem is... 
these external motivators are going to make it worth your while to do this. As I said, money, pres- prestige, fame, right. positions, yeah. and as you mentioned constantly, Bruce, conflict brings about good role-playing. So if you're conflicted yeah. between, well, I just want to go out and do this, meanwhile I got you know, the Secretary of Defense coming to my doorstep and telling me to look for weapons, you know, you got to make that you, right. uh, that old slippery slope there. I know that you're really good buddies with the other members of your role-playing group, but the fact is your character is probably not really good buddies with every other member of your role-playing group. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, and, and as Trav described, internal goals are the ones that are basically from the 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 natural history of the character, the the internal motivations that the character has, you know what, you know the the things that they want to do because of who they are, not because of where they're from, unless of course they totally internalize that. You know? Well, yeah. Let's say now I was just thinking about that because let's say you have somebody who is a proud American of their own nature. Not they don't have the government coming on their coming and knocking at their door going, hey, you know, you could do this for us. There could be somebody who just says, I'm an American. I want to promote American ideals. I see my country as the greatest in the world. And when I step through that portal onto another world, I want to show these people what, you know, what make, okay, yeah, Earth Prime has come to their door. Well, America is a big part of Earth Prime. And damn it, I want to show them what, you know, I'm the representative for America. I'm a true believer. Yes, so, oh. yeah, a lot of these can be very similar to the external motivations. It's just due to their upbringing and the events in their lives, they have, as Bruce says, internalized these ideals and carried upon themselves, um, oh, God, the word, a paragon, as it were. Right, and, and, and probably one of the best examples of that is the, uh, other than what you just gave, which was excellent, Trav, uh, was, is the idea in Savage Worlds, the edge, noble. I mean, that carries with it so much. You know, oh, yeah. the white man's burden, you know, regardless of what your skin color is. I mean, you know, the idea that you need to, you know, to, to nurture and and lead other people through example and because of your position in life, because of your upbringing, because of your advantages. You know, you're just a better person and therefore you have to act as a better person. <laughs> okay. You're noble. <laughs> one one of the player that played test was an was a uh, Spanish knight. Uh, he basically modern day Spanish knight, and he basically he, he held himself to the to a code, and that code you know it was definitely you're right was definitely internal. Right. I mean the character of Zorro. He, you know he he. he he was a, a landowner who, because of the terrible way that the the uh, the workers, the peons, were being treated, uh, rose up against his own class, essentially, to put them in their place, as it should have happened, as the law should have, you know, uh, re- required. You know, he was, uh, you know, he was supporting the law by by. Uh, bringing down corrupt landowners and politicians. So because he he was a, a, and he was a noble he was a noble himself. He was one of those landowners. Yeah, I mentioned before the call you know, part of the internal motivations is what gets you up in the morning? They put on the parka and walk down to the portal 
and well, do your job. What you know, what's what make what what guides your character to you know get up and do it? I mean, besides the money, besides the fame, besides all this other stuff, what really drives your character? Oh, here's a good one, and it's um, it kind of harkens back a little to the Savage Worlds character I made way back when. Uh, if you remember Duke Williamson, the jock who later became cop and military and he hated anybody science or techie because they picked on him yep scientific truth you are a scientist you are a doctor you are a physicist you are a biologist you are a botanist you are going out there to find something that has to do with your your discipline if you are a doctor, you are looking for a new way to fight diseases or maybe find the cure for cancer. If you are a biologist, you are out maybe looking for extinct life forms to repopulate or new life forms. If you are a botanist, same thing but with flora. If you are a physicist, you are looking to prove the speed of light or to prove time travel. Or, okay, dimensional travel has been proven. The multiverse theory is now fact. Okay, I'm going out and seeing... What exactly has happened? How has this been harnessed? You are a scientist in some way, shape, or form, and you are looking to perfect or extrapolate upon your particular discipline. Yeah, the uh, uh, the most to me the most obvious ones are are all and is kind of like what John was talking about. All your your philias, okay, all the things that you love, okay, you're there. Because there's something that you love, and it's and and whatever it is, it's out there. Whether it's you love horses, and there's cultures out there that are still riding horses by the thousands. Oh, oh, or, or you want to you want to go to the world to that place where the humans live? You know, from 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 from, from uh, Swift. Gulliver's Travels. Right, or or you you want to uh, you know you've read stories about mages and magicians, and you want to find a place where magic is real, and maybe even become a mage yourself. So uh, any of the things that you really love, I mean, the things that, as you say, John, you know, uh, what gets you up in the morning, but maybe what you do before you go to bed at night. What is it that you're watching on television? What is it that you're reading? What is it that you're, you know, that you, what groups have you joined in Facebook? Okay, you know, what, what, whatever it is that you love. Okay, there's probably a whole culture out there. Oh, I am seeing a lot of. Geeks all of a sudden end up being an Ida because they're, you know, right off the bat, ooh, dimensional travel? You're going to have a whole mess of geeks making up Idets. You know, somewhere out there, someone's figured out how to make a lightsaber. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Or I'm thinking I'm thinking of, of the, the collector, but he's very specific what he's collecting. He's... He, it's very least he gets a very decent photograph of it, but he wants to collect all the Mona Lisas he can get his hands on, or just one. I mean, why wouldn't you want your own copy of the Mona Lisa? I mean, there's probably worlds out there where they have them, and it's to them it's just a painting. Bruce's one comment years ago on a podcast: "Oh, you have an Excalibur? Yeah, we have one back on our world too. Oh, that's cool. You got one." Isn't it a cool feeling? Yeah. But, but imagine that, you know, when he gets his, when he finds his Mona Lisa, he looks at it and realizes it's not the same. There's some differences here and there. Yes. So he finds another one and he starts, he starts getting obsessive about his Mona Lisa's. 
you know, he wants to know all the variations that that Leonardo put to it as he made as he made the picture. Right. Yeah. But even if, even if you didn't weren't actually collecting them, you'd at least be taking pictures of them. Oh yes. Okay, and you would you would become the expert on the Mona Lisas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, I can see that. I get. I mean, all the different variations out there. We talked about this before. Collecting the 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 truly ultimate set of um, Elvis Presley. Every song that Elvis Presley has ever done throughout the multiverse. Elvis Presley's 2010 album. Yeah, but I mean, any, I mean, but the, all the ones he he sang, you know, because he sang something different on Another World. Oh, and don't forget, there's the gospel Elvis, who didn't go into rock and roll, who went, who became a gospel singer. Actually, he he did do gospel, too. No, what Bruce is saying that he did, he started the gospel and went to rockabilly and then the rock afterwards. No, I've heard Elvis's version of that old rugged cross. He was uh, Elvis. Remember, he was raised down in Tupelo, Mississippi, with the choirs and all that, and that's what his foundation was on. I see what John's trying to say there. That particular Elvis just stuck with gospel, right? That yeah, that would be a heck of a recording. Wow. Sure. I mean, I, I'm just saying all those different things. You know, you, you. I mean, that you that you love. You could you could you find that the the multiverse is a hugely expanded version of that. You know all, all the movies that you know that that Sly Stallone didn't make on Earth Prime, but he did make somewhere else. If you're a true fan of Sly or anybody else, you know uh, Marilyn Monroe. All the movies that she didn't ever make because she died on Earth Prime, but maybe she didn't somewhere else. Max Fleischer movies. He was going to do John Carter of Mars. It just sort of fell through. But imagine he did it, and there it is. Oh, the one he was going to make. Wow, or the uh, or, or the rich, or the John Lennon, Lord of the Rings. Right. So I'm just saying, whatever whatever your character loves, I, there's a way of, of of truly you know turning it into a, a goal that that you know, can be ex- to ex- to express that that uh, passion. That your character has for it, whether it's collecting things or documenting things or finding all the variations of that thing, you know that that's one thing that you I can see your character always looking for those kind of opportunities. The, the Beatles, the Be- the Beatles album, missing Paul because he was he was killed in England, right? You know, <laughs> right. And then there's like you know uh, another goal I have here is replacement of loss. Okay, and this could be very personal, as in, I lost my wife; she died. But there's somebody out there, just like her, and if I can find her, then I can get her to love me again, and we'll be together again. Okay, that gets very stocky. It can get very dark. It can get really, really dark. Okay, and we'll talk about that too, especially if she's married to you. And as Eric the Enabler would say, and sometimes creepy, is still creepy. Well, if you've seen the movie The Prestige, you'll understand that that, that's that's not beyond the realm of possibility. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, but but it could be other things, too, where, for example, the Ark of the Covenant or uh, anything else that's ever been destroyed. All all those, you know, statuary that was destroyed by the various conquerors when they came in. You know, you might be able to restore those back to Earth um, or, you know, 
uh, or at least take pictures of them so then 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 the artisans on earth could say we could put this back the way it originally was and restore your own cultures back to you know to that way and and that could be something that you really care about oh religious artifacts sure okay 1452 constantinople becomes istanbul sultan mehmet ii takes over constantinople and you have all these christian relics now basically you can't get them out because turkey has them still going to other earths and getting those christian relics back they're going to the library of alexandra alexandria with a scanner yeah (laughs) sure no you have to understand the library of alexandria burnt several times it's just uh, Julius Caesar was the last straw, and that was the last time it burned, you know. But there was yeah, previous it, times where it burned also. So which one do you yeah, want to pick? It's a big place that's filled with a lot of wax and a lot of paper and a, and a whole lot of people using lit, lit oil in order to see things by. And it's all dry paper, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a dry heat. So sooner or later, something's going to go up. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it'd be you know recovering all these lost all the lost Greek. You know, find out if 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 uh, who was it? Uh, Archimedes actually did come up with a form of calculus before before we did. You know, there's that. I think it was Archimedes or who was it? Because they found that they found that pomacet that when they looked at it and realized, oh, someone scraped off. The, oh my God, that's that's looks like something from calculus, and it's Greek. Oh, who is this? I think it was Archimedes. Didn't he invent, didn't he invent the concept of the lever? Yep. Yeah, and also the screw the the, uh, the screw pump and various other things. Yeah, yeah, he was killed by a Roman soldier because he was busy working on triangles and circles. And said, "I'm busy. Go away." <laughs> All right, and you could also, you know, because again, there's time shifted worlds. You might be able to meet somebody, you know, uh, who's dead currently. I mean, maybe you want to meet all the all the U.S. presidents. Maybe you want to meet Queen Victoria. You can because the, the she's right over there on the uh, uh, on the Victorian world. Uh, maybe you, you want to, you know, meet uh, Jesus or Muhammad. Or any of the uh, are the knights of the round table. Uh, I mean, these are all thing people and places you could go to that no longer exist, but they do exist on these time shifted worlds. This you know this would be your opportunity to see uh, if if in fact uh, the uh, uh, the the Colossus of Rhodes of Rhodes you know actually see it you know and 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 see if it's what everybody said it was. Uh, that's I can see the you know, people who are into travel right now who already love to travel and go to different places. They'd be like, well, what if you could go someplace and see it before it got turned into ru- ruins? Yeah. I mean, you were talking about, see, we meet Queen, Queen Victoria. Don't forget, this is a world where people like Professor Challenger exist and Sherlock Holmes. Also, I just realized all the home of all the home files or what's uh, Holmesians wanted to go. Yeah. Oh, can you, can you give me an autograph? <laughs> Don't bother him too much, you know. But can you give me an autograph from Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> I doubt it, but probably Doctor Watson would be willing to sign it. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he 
He's the one who did all the writing, anyways. Yeah, he uh, he was Holmes Boswell. Yes. Yeah, and of course, there's Mycroft. You know, you know, if he can't get Holmes, can he get Mycroft? And I can see Mycroft going. Uh, he wants you to do what? Just sign it. No. Autograph signing is not my milieu. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, so there's this opportunity to see things that no longer exist, you know, and I mean, and, not, uh, and, and be with people that no longer exist. Or in the case of Sherlock Holmes, never existed, you know, but on, out in the bats, there's more than a few worlds that Sherlock Holmes is a reality, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and there's also the people who have some kind of a pet philosophy, you know, that they really want, you know, they, they said if the if the world had just agreed to do this, then things would be so much better. And they're going to be out there searching the fringe paths for a world in which that actually happened and to see w- whether it worked. And if it didn't work, why didn't it work? And then and then be able to bring that back to Earth and say, you know, this will this actually wor- happened out there. It'll work, but we just have to make these changes, and then it, it, everything will be better. You know, the humankind will be you know better than it ever was. You know, it, uh, like the Hitchhiker's Guide. You know that that uh, it, it, this time you know we'll we'll, we'll figure you know, we'll come out with a solution. It'll work, and nobody will have to get nailed to a cross. Unfortunately, or in some cases, it'll work as long as you change certain fundamental constants about the universe. Then it works just fine, right? Well, there and if there's places out there where those constants are changed, that would be the place where you might decide to stop. Yep. I finally found the place that I really feel like home, and I'm just going to stay here. And you guys go on without me. And I can see people who want to do that. I mean, especially as time goes on, you know, as as the years roll by, as an explorer, you're going to start looking for a place that you want to stay at. Yep. Some place to sit down and throw rocks at the rabbits eating your cabbages. And take pot shots at the pterodactyls. Yep. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought motivation, because actually is what I mentioned for Gordon Conrad. Prove something. The prove the prove that you are better than you know than what people thought. You're you you were bullied as a kid and you're out here. You're fringe really now. Now you're gonna have to prove that yes, I am better than what those kids said when I was in high school. You know, I'm Proving, I'm going to prove that I am, I am a man or a woman or whatever, and I'm going to be the very best I'm going to be. So defeat a personal demon. Yes. Yeah. You basically see the fringe, see your career in fringeworthy as a new beginning. Well, because remember, most and and this is even in fringeworthy D20, most of the careers and occupations that you have are not going to be that of an adventurer. I'm going to probably say ballpark figure here. You guys can, you know, quibble on this. 90% of the people who are found to be fringeworthy are going to be Mr. and Mrs. Joe Normal. They're not yep. going to be, oh, I'm a policeman or I'm a, a, a soldier of fortune or I'm a, you know, a firefighter. No, they're going to be housewives and insurance salesmen and factory workers, and school bus drivers, and taxi cab drivers, and garbage men. Chartered accountants. Yep. Yeah, accountants and all that. Until we until we start growing our Fringeworthy. Right. Yep. But in, in the early and middle campaigns, there's still going to be mon- rather mundane people who, due to a certain quirk in their quantum signature, now are on the level of rock stars and athletes. 
So they're yeah. a new beginning. That's another one. Not not so much to prove themselves, but just I'm not mundane and boring anymore. I've got people looking up to me because I'm this new type of celebrity. I have a fan club I've got to provide information to. I had I had to hire a secretary to actually handle my Facebook page. Right. I mean, and it, and it could actually get scary. I mean, you could have like group uh, a group of people that are so devoted to you that you're afraid of disappointing them. And then, of course, you got the stalker. You got the stalker issue and all this. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Remember, f- fame is a two-edged sword. Every you know, everyone looks up. You know, every, everyone everyone knows you, and everyone knows you. Oh yeah, I I deal with this in my other life uh, as Trab. Yeah, I I've dealt with on a much smaller scale, mind you. But yeah, I've had where I have to watch what I do and watch what I say, and I have people who, on the flip side, I've had people send me stuff. So yeah, it the fame thing where all of a sudden because you're of you know you had this boring mediocre life, and all of a sudden, boom, you're calip catapulted to stardom and in the public eye yeah you've got all that cool prestige and all that you're Yuri Gagarin you're Armstrong you're you're basically everyone knows who you are well yeah it's (laughs) like like my therapist said for me no being Trav is your career and so yeah these boring mundane people all of a sudden have a lot thrust upon them so they have to as they're going out and doing stuff for IDET, they're also kind of having to manage their popularity in a way to make sure that they do things to ensure their new station in life. As Now, you gotta remember, some of these people are going to be married, and they may actually have a, have a spouse who, well, does a Billy Carter and rides in their coattails. I mean, uh, oh God, yes. Oh, you're going uh, to have oh, that. Oh, Todd, yeah, Todd's character, my uh, Todd Zercher, he played a, he played a, uh, basically a retired uh, Air Force, uh, you know, uh, 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 electrician, mechanic, computer mechanic, uh, basically computer guy, and his wife was his, his wife was uh, Filipino. Well, she got she's got her own show now on the Philippine network. And she's playing off her husband's fame to run this show, and you know, and basically it's a standard Filipino talk show, and and but she can get fringeworthy on it at a drop of a hat because they're all friends of her husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're the, that's, that's that's kind of an external goal there. I, I didn't think about it being applied by a family member, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There's gonna be there's gonna be family obligations that are gonna be pressed on to you because you know you're you have those relationships yeah yeah right let's just do one more thing uh on eternal goals and that is and it, and and it's okay to go dark on this which is expression of hidden desires oh yeah uh no yeah <laughs> i mean peter basically you know he, he trumped us all when he had his cannibal character oh yeah oh oh yeah there's some people treat it as a sex tour. You're you're well to do, you know, and depending upon you know how you handle you know, your explorations, it's quite possible for you to uh, have a wife in every port. Yep. 
I mean, there's lots of worlds out there, lots of cultures historically where if you had the bride price, that lady was your wife. Yeah. She might be perfectly good with that because you're going to set her up in a nice house. You're going to provide income for her. You know, she's going to provide her with children. And if you only show up maybe once or twice a year, well, there's lots of uh, wives of sailors (laughs) who lived that life and were perfectly happy with it. And they might never know how many other wives are out there. Yeah, or husbands. It works both ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely, husbands. And if you're the kind of person who just wants to have lots and lots of children, like my father, okay, who got married five times and has, I, I'm trying to remember, we've got like six or seven half-brothers and sisters. My grandmother has has him beat. My, my grandfather and grandmother had, 12, had 11 kids. My long-suffering grandmother. Yeah, and and she's lucky that she she did, she made it to be grandmother, considering the you know how dangerous that is. You you could use it as a sex tour or just as a uh, a romance tour. Just the fact that you're the uh, you you can now be the exciting mysterious man or woman, and you come into town and you get to you know. Woo the socialite, you know. Uh, you know, woo the, the 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 cheerleader, whatever. You know, <laughs> Lord of the Manor, the alpha. Yeah, the the lady of the manor, Lord of the Manor. Whoever the alpha character is that you run into, go out. You know, why not try to woo the king or queen or whatever? Because you, I'm Queen So and So from Earth Prime. Who's? Do you think? Are the other team members going to out you? Well, they might. <laughs> basically still yeah sure he is here look at his seal you know and and, and you know it's, it's something you got you know off of a you know a store with a dragon signature for sealing wax and yes this is our family crest <laughs> <laughs> i mean you could play whatever made-up role you want going from from one world to another you could change who you say you are but your motivation could be to you know basically be a Great conquest of love, conquest, conquistador of love. Be a Don Juan, right? You could be a Don Juan. I mean, and, and this is making me more prevalent as well. More fringery get found and 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 or uh, born, you may actually find more and more people who just go, "Yeah, I'm not into exploring. I'm into you know, l'amour." Right. <laughs> oh. But it could also be the fact is that maybe you're one of these really tradition uh, raised with this traditional idea of what marriage should be like, and 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 unfortunately, there's no the country that you're from doesn't support that. Mm-hmm. But then you get to go over to an alien world and find somebody that where that culture does support it, and you can have the relationship you've always wanted to have with your um, intended. Yep, for good or ill. No matter the, no matter the species. Well, but my point is, is that this could be a very good thing, or this could be a very bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could find that there's an uh, an infinite number of abusive relationships that you can get into. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you know, not every world is. It. I mean, even our own world in many places are not that are not very enlightened. Yeah. You know about things like human rights and everything else. There's a lot of, you know, you, the uh, IDET says, "Hey, you got to support these human rights." But if you're a character. You're like, well, okay, but I don't have to support all of them all the time. You know. You may find yourself in an amic time scenario where the, your your wife says, "Oh no, we were just betrothed. We weren't married yet. You have to now fight him." 
to actually marry me. <laughs> well, that could happen. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> because of the, the, the uh, bio-boosting effects of French travel, you could try a lot of things that you normally wouldn't be willing to try, like drugs. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of drugs out there that are highly addictive, but, you know, if the system helps helps you clean them out, you might be willing to give them a try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might also want – I can see some folks just saying, okay, so what's, what's it like having the Black Plague? And then going to the portal to just get rid of it before it gets fatal. Oh, you know, there is a movie about people who sought celebrity diseases. Yeah. <laughs> what? They would they, get blood samples from celebrities who were sick, and then they would sell them to people, and people would inject themselves so they could have the same diseases as their beloved celebrities. That could happen. That could ease, and if you were that kind of a person, again, we're talking about some dark motivations, you know, that's some really strange stuff you're getting into there. And but yeah. yeah, your character could have that as a motivation. I want to experience the Black Plague. I want to experience uh, tuberculosis, uh, whatever, I, because because I can be cured, as you said. I, I don't have it; doesn't have to kill me. Yeah, just be careful you don't catch a parasitical disease, because then you have little friends for life until you can figure out how to get rid of them. Right. Hey, there's always going to be various risks, you know. Uh, I mean, but that's all. But I mean, motivations are just that. I mean, there's going to be risk. You're going out in the fringe pass. Sooner or later, something's probably going to kill you. You might as well go go for the gusto, whatever it is that you love, or or, or you know. You know, as, as you said, gets you out of bed, you should go for it. There's also the Drinking Man's Tour. Oh, yeah. Every alcoholic beverage ever created. Including the ones with lead in them. You actually get to have Dwarven Ale. Yeah. Yeah. Elven Wine. Yeah. Or, or the Gustieri thing. You know, you get to eat all the different flesh of animals that no, don't exist on Earth Prime. What does pterodactyl taste like? Yeah, right, chicken. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it does it, you know. What do, like, Gila monster eggs taste like? You're not going to get a chance to eat that on Earth Prime. But, you know, what does dodo taste like? Like a chicken, probably. But I'm just saying is that those are extinct animals, and you could go on a gustieri tour of the multiverse. Well, yeah, it's pterodactyls are reptiles, so probably more like alligator. Most most dinosaurs would probably come off as chicken, especially theropods, the two legged ones. They'll they're they're, they're in the line that came to develop chickens. Well, yeah, Tyrannosaurus rex technically is an ancestor of a chicken. Yeah, and if you went went to like a world in which you know the, the, some of the mythological things are real, how about eating some of them golden apples? Chapsing around the Garden of Eden and looking for the Tree of Life. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. But uh, yeah, okay. But I'm just saying is that I I know that you know that that the, the uh, golden apples had very specific attributes to them, and you might very well want to get your hands on some of those and keep them for yourself. Yep. And hopefully, if they're magical, then yeah, you have to eat them in a magical world. But still, yeah, they should re- they should they probably should return. When you go to a universe that supports them. They were what granted immortality. The golden apples that were on the tree in the in the uh, Greek uh, culture. So, yep. 
so that you know if if you thought you were uh, after a while you were getting old you know because you didn't do enough fringe traveling to to keep your age down well some golden apples you know i'm now younger the expression of hidden desires that you've always had you know maybe you were the uh uh, maybe you were like a Walter Minty type character, and 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 you decide you're going to be a a brute. You could do it, you know, because all because you could you could do things and get away with them. You know, you could you know commit crimes. Maybe you're maybe you want to go on a crime spree. Maybe you want to be uh, a criminal type character and go to a world and you steal stuff just to do it. You become a fringe pirate, basically. Yeah. Well, but or yeah, or but I'm just saying anything that you want to do, you want to commit these crimes that on your world you wouldn't get away with, but because the portals, you know, only. Right over there, no matter what happens, I'm gonna, I, I'll probably be able to get through and jump through the portal, and nobody's going to be able to chase me. And if you keep this on the QT, where everybody else doesn't know what you're doing, or at least if they know what you're doing, it isn't so bad that they can't stand you. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, everybody likes the Catwoman character. You know, she's a thief. She steals stuff, okay, but everybody likes her. <laughs> Maybe you know. Maybe you become a roguish type character that you've always wanted to be, but just your upbringing, uh, the the people that were surrounding you, the, the 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 looking down their noses at you if you did these things. You're like, you know, those people are a million miles away from me. You know, they're you know, like they're. I'm in a different world. I feel free to do what yeah. I always wanted to do and do it. And you found tech that helps you do it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, the crown jewels of England, no problem. Where does he find all get all those wonderful toys? Well, there you know, there's a little shop, you know, three uh, three nodes over, you know, say, We found you know, an expo we found an in-tech expo world and I went shopping. That's right. <laughs> all the prototypes. Yeah, yeah. An expo world is where they they're trying to get you to agree that this is the best way of doing something, this is the best version of something, and then mm-hmm. and then you take it back to your own world and you propagate it across your entire world, and therefore the people on the expo world who gave it to you they get all the fame for it now. Yes, yeah, so yeah. our device is used in a thousand worlds. Also, depending on how lower tech the other world is, too, you also get client state because they keep coming back to you for more of them. Oh, yeah. Yes. How many pockets does this guy have? Uh, 30. <laughs> Each one with a slightly better device or the device that, that thwarts the previous device. The motivation of the of Team One, the prime IDET team, which now is, as John let us know, we do have a fourth member. Can you give a little background on Sergey first? Sergey Maximov Kozlov. Uh, he was born. I'm going to skip it. He was born October third. Blah blah blah. Actually, 1990, the same day the Berlin Wall fell. Ah. Um, he was born by midwife. We can sort of skip that. I wouldn't put any real dates in John because we know that the yeah. portal is always found in the near future. Anytime you put a date in, you automatically antiquate your game. I'll put. He was born on the anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. How's there that? you go. Yeah. That sounds so much better, John, because it has the whole thing about the Berlin Wall without actually dating it. That's great. That's that's how you can do it. He wasn't very good at science and mathematics, but he was a creative writer. 
Uh, he did a lot of writing. Um, uh, Passed a lot um, of bad paper. Yes, he met uh, Rada Bukin, who was the daughter of Borodov Voldemarov Bukin, reputed mob boss. Yeah, he got into the mob by marrying into the mob. <sighs> nice. One of the reasons why he wasn't wasn't there for for the first mission because Russia was still trying to figure out how to get him out of pr- whether they w- actually want to actually have him as their first fringeworthy or not. I mean, you know, he's he had mob connections. I imagine that he was found by uh, Saryuri during the uh, during the you know after the announcement a trip to various world capitals to find that's where that's where Wei Lei was found. He was found in the airport waiting to be flown to Siberia. <laughs> you know things like that. So yeah, he it, it, they finally decided yeah we we can deal with him. You know, and he and he and basically he was allowed to uh, become friend become join IDET and become uh, join UNITA and become fringe worthy and representative of the, of the of the Russian government. But yeah, it, it was a close thing, you know, because sometimes your government doesn't like you. And it's hard, it's very hard to deal with that when that happens. Uh, but yeah, so we have team one, Sayuri Tanuma, Wele, Gordon Conrad, and Sergei Klozlov. Uh, so I was looking at their, their, their backgrounds. What's their motivations besides, you know, the fame and money, uh, which if you, if you read through the first mission, they more or less gave away. You know, they kept enough to, so they can, you know, uh, live well, but they more or less made donations out cover that, uh, especially like Gordon Conrad decided has done something special with his money. But anyway, let's go to let's start with Waylay because she's uh, the youngest of the group. Um, she's, I think, part of it, one of the external things is that she's doing it as a duty to her family, especially her mother and, fa- mother and grandmother. She's psychic. Her mother and grandmother are also psychic. And this is, you know, a, a problem. You know, and she was, you know, she was taught most of her life to hide her power. Don't let anyone know you can do this. You know, and if you read the background for Wei Lei, she was a, she basically ran the local co uh, uh, um, op, uh, f- you know, fishing, uh, fish farm. She more or less was the manager at like age 20. And she's really good in negotiations, you know, and there's a reason why she was really good in negotiations. She could use her empathic powers to, to feel out the other people and see what they, what they were thinking. So yeah, she was, you know, she's, I would say she's becoming the face of team one because, because of this. Okay. But what's her motivations? Well, she really wants to learn how, now she's free to use her power. She wants to learn how to use it. I mean, she's been hiding it for most of her life, you know, suppressing it. So she really wants to learn how to use it. She really wants to learn if she can do other things besides just, you know, talk to people in their heads and feel their emotions. So she is a telepath. I thought she was just an empath and that strange booze brought out telepathy. Depends on what John's done to change it, but she was just an empath and it's just as you said, you know, they were kind of got into each other's dreams because of that booze. But yeah. normally she just does she just has the ability to kind of get a feeling for what other people are are intending yeah. or, or thinking. Yeah, but basically because of the way the uh, system set up in, in Savage Worlds, if you're psionic, you get two powers. So empathy and telepathy. Okay, all right. Yeah, so she has she's both an empath and a telepath, okay. and for her, it's it's not like she has to, you know, t- 
turn her power on. It's more like she's got to narrow it down. Depending upon your system, most systems have an advancement in it anyway, so whatever she started with, she can always be given more powers, depending upon what you want to do with her character. Yeah. Yes. So part of her goal is to learn how to master her powers, which means, you know, improve her skill, in practical terms, improve her skill and using the powers, learning new powers. Uh, basically, she wants to be, you know, but also she wants to be an asset to the team. She wants to be, you know, she, you know, she's not the team leader. That's someone else. But she wants to be an asset to the team. She wants to be the face of the team. So she is the team negotiator. You know, so when they go and there's negotiations with Victor with the Victorians over, you know, how we're going to do, do this between the two between the two fringe nation the fringe powers, she was the lead negotiator. Does she have uh, any kind of uh, inferiority complex regarding Senora? She's the first fringe traveler. She's the smart one, and especially because China and Japan have always had a rivalry. I mean, does, is there any of that going on, or is she? Ha- I would say, yeah, you know, I would say, yeah. There's probably is some of that going on. You know, um, you know. First, I would say, that, like, I say, she's also the shortest person in the team, so everyone else is taller than she is. So there is physically, t- Sayuri is taller than she is. So there's a physical, you know, towering over her. But also on top of that, she is a scientist. Sayuri is a scientist. She knows stuff. And she's also, because they find this out, been touched by Schmert. So it may not be in fear, but more like cautious of Sayuri. Okay, what I'm just thinking, though, is that you know, here you have two women are going to be thrust into the limelight, but at the same time, it seems like, you know, unless she... And she tries hard. Um, I could see where Wele would be always in Sayuri's shadow, even if Sayuri didn't want that. Yeah, I can see it too because Sayuri was number one, first one, you know, and she's touched by Schmert, which I would say is probably a state secret. Most, of, you know, it's probably known within the French worthy, and it's probably not known outside of the UN Security Council. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and every so often, you know, she like blurts out some piece of really radical information. Yeah, and, you know, we we never going to be able to do that. Nope. Yeah, even if she can learn to read her mind, she's not sure if she actually wants to read Sayuri's mind if she can when she learns that villi. <laughs> yeah, who knows what's who or what is in there? Well, Sayuri doesn't know what's in there, so I don't see how she'd be able to figure it out unless she got some kind of special, really high-level deep probing. And as far as Ided is concerned, they want her to spend all of her skill points in maxing out her fine fringeworthy skill. Yeah, and I'll, but uh, when, but she when she's out there also to uh, actually improving her um, key use. Uh, ability and then also gain the proper keys that give you better range. So yeah, it's two edge. But yes, yeah, she's she's a uh, you know, like I said, she she used to be a a, a, a manager of a, of a co op of that raised farm raised fish, and now she's in the limelight, the last place she wanted to be. You know, she wants to just be, you know, I'm just a happy little manager. I can make a good profit for our co-op. I'm really happy. And now I'm in front of the cameras and people know I'm psychic. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, she's basically Elsa, you know, from Frozen. You know, conceal, you know, don't feel. <laughs> she, I mean, she, she literally is Elsa, you know, if you think about it, you know. Yeah. Because everyone's always afraid that someone's going to figure out she had psionic powers and and take her away and lock her away someplace and study her and turn her into a lab rat. 
if she was lucky. Yeah, <laughs> if she was lucky. So all that stuff you see going on in, in the movie Frozen could very easily be applied to We Lie. As the backstory goes, it's it's, it's something it's inherited. So yeah, her mother's mother's got powers, but they're really diminished. They're hardly they. She's suppressed her powers so much she really barely can use them. Likewise, her grandma, but she's got cousins, lots of cousins, and all the, it's on the maternal lines side of the family. So they're all going. Uh, we are going to disappear now. So part of her is to make sure that she keeps in the limelight, even though she doesn't want to be there, because it's working like a hostage situation, or like a, like I call it a reverse hostage. As long as I'm there, letting people know I exist, they know my family exists, and China can't make them disappear to find out how that stuff works. So that's another reason why she's, you know, she she's, doesn't want to be in the limelight, because she was told not to be in the limelight, but she's got to be in the limelight to protect her family. You know, well, at least that's how she sees it. You know, not everyone's internal motivations are, are can be logical. Sometimes they can be very wrong. I mean, I, I have a feeling that China would make them disappear no matter what she was doing. But Well, if you're that important, yes. Yeah, so yes. And the fact that China has, uh, has at least three known psionics, that's more than anyone else knows they have. <sighs> Until they start stepping forward and saying, I'm psychic. Of course, the answer is prove it. <laughs> okay. So, what about the rest? Okay. Well, that was that was her. Now, of course, we come to um, uh, yeah, Gordon Conrad. <laughs> there, here's a guy. Yeah, uh, he's he's the team leader. Really? Yes. I never thought of him as the team leader. Uh, you want Sayuri the team leader? I can always say Borodin, and most of you in council said no. Well, I would think of Sayuri as being the team leader. Yes. I I sort of see her as being the team scientist. Yeah, the brains of the operation, but I wouldn't see her as team. I always saw saw her as being her uncle's second in command. Oh yeah, at least she made sure that things happened while so her while her uncle was doing his research. So even though she was very quiet and 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 respectful as a Japanese you know woman, I still think that she probably could get you know things done. Oh, I'm not saying she has no influence over what's going on, but... I think she had a voice, you know, one of those tones that basically it's like, you are going to do this. I'm Japanese. I'm relentless. I'm relentless. <laughs> yeah, there was a scene cut from the uh, the mission story, which is actually it's actually in one of the Portals books, where basically they find out, yeah, she's not the, the, you know, she knows how to cure a hangover from drinking too much, you know, too much sake. <laughs> So she's got a little wild side on her, but we'll get to her. But no, no, in this case, I've, I've, this, I, I, this is one, Gordon, he's out to prove himself, but not just as himself, as an African American. And I'm looking at the contemporary society right now. Yeah. He wants to prove that, yes, I'm American, but I'm also an African American. And I am as good as anyone else. Better. He's a street kid from New York. Yeah. I mean, you don't make a lot of money as a bicycle messenger unless you're carrying illicit things. So you know he's he's a hard worker and and he goes he has to ride through tough neighborhoods and 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 deal with stuff. So you know he we know he's got a mouth on him and an attitude. We can chalk it down to this: Gordon Conrad is all about the hustle, twenty four seven. He's always hustling to make sure that he's at the top of his game, 
that his team is at the top of his game, not only on their job, but when they get back to Earth Prime and have to deal with, you know, being real-life superheroes, essentially, and celebrities. He's yeah. all about the hustle, pure and simple. Yeah, he's that's why I say he's the team leader because he's the one who's basically is the is the cheerleader. He's the he's the rah rah rah. I mean, I'm taking a line from uh, Forbidden Planet. You know, sometimes the commander is not the smartest person; it's just the person with the loudest voice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Gordon Conrad is the person with the loudest voice. I mean, yeah, this uh, you can't deny that. And he, but he, I would I imagine he also has an itch to travel. I mean, being a bicycle messenger. You travel. You you got to find new ways to get new places. I, I, I imagine he has an itch to travel. He wants to visit places. My first year and a half at Napa, I, was, I drove the little white truck with the little yellow helmet. One of the things that they told me, you're going to find more back streets and, and shortcuts on this job than any other. The one thing that Gordon can do is navigate. Because going through New York on a 10-speed... On a, a you're having to find shortcuts and all that to get your packages on time across town through Manhattan traffic. So, yeah, he he can weave his way through all sorts of, you know, things like that because he's done it in one of the biggest, most congested cities on the planet. Yeah, and and I met, and he basically he grew up in the Bronx. And I imagine he has, if not a, a duty, but a self-imposed duty on himself that he has to do something for the people back there. So what, instead, so instead of just taking his money and just doing it to, to a generic charity, he sort of did what Wei Lei did, which what she did was uh, create a foundation to help Chinese women. So he created the Conrad the Conrad Foundation to help the pe- help the kids of the Bronx, and he didn't care if you're white, black, yellow, or green. It's to help the kids of the Bronx become, well, better. I, I would care if they were green because they're probably not feeling too good. Yeah. Those, yeah. those people, those people get, you know, need to get some medical attention. Well, see, then, then he, he, if you're green, the money goes to help them stop being green. I see what he did there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's basically it, – it's a foundation, so he also tried to find like money out there too. So he's not the only one you know, uh, donating to it. So it's a it's a foundation. Its goal is to help, and he's he's looking at expanding it. Besides the Bronx, he wants to hit the rest of the bur- bur- boroughs in New York and expand it. You know, he's looking to say these people in Washington don't know how, how to raise kids. I was raised mostly in the street, and you know what? I wish I had gone to school <sighs> and learned some stuff. <laughs> Of course, not with several words bleeped out in that little sentence right there. Uh, <laughs> Every other word, you mean? He's known for his, <clears throat> and it's something I have to rein in myself. His colorful vocabulary is uh, startling invective. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's definitely you know a colorful guy, um, and he's looking. And he, like I say, he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, uh, you know. Yes, I'm a Black American, and uh, yeah, I'm going to prove that. You know, I'm like nothing like you, like any of the, any of the uh, stereotypes say I'm like. You know, so yes, that, that's part of his motivation to be the best he can be. Uh, Sergey, he got involved with the mob, and he was going to prison. 
You know, so it's his, some of his motivations right there are very obvious. He's not going to prison as long as he stays French, as long as he still works for the French way, which probably means he's got an external duty on him imposed by the Russian government. You know, he may be, uh, well, procuring stuff for them, getting extra technology, making copies of everything so he can then, you know, and is layered back to his wife, Rada. Uh, sent him sent along with a, a, a DVD full of information that wasn't released to the general public, and maybe not to Russia, <sighs> you know, and and or stuff that it wasn't released to to the to you to Unita either. So he he's got a goal. He's got external motivation on him to basically be a spy for Russia and get information for them. But he also has he also wants to you know. Make enough for himself because he wasn't given the million dollars like everyone else was. He was more or less said, "Your friends ready to go." You know, he was. I imagine the, the million dollars is coming from the from the governments and not actually from the United Nations because they don't have any money. You know, it's like oh, they're going to be paying all these people. It's like, well, where's my money? Are you going to prison? No, that's your payment. There's the portal. <laughs> so part of his goal is to earn enough money so he can get his wife out of Russia. You know, get her someplace safe like Australia. You know, uh, of all the people who, who who live and work out of, Aus, out of uh, Alice Springs, his wife's still in Russia. That should be a hint right there that he needs to get her out. And so he's trying to find a way to get her out. That's a very definite internal motivation right there. You know, when your family's still living in the ba- back in the home country, yeah, there might be a problem. That may be a, a point of pressure on you you don't want them to have for very, for very long. So, and because he is a very public person, you know, he's a, he's a famous person, he hopes he can get enough to do it and make sure that they just sit there and hem and haw and not stop him from doing it. But, you know, there's that, there's that mo- internal motion. But he also, like you said, he's a creative writer. He sees, oh my Lord, he wants to write. He wants to write what's going out there. He wants to write. The, 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 you heard the great American novel. He write, wants to write the great fringe novel. You know, more or less. You know, it may be fictional, maybe maybe partly fictional, maybe doc, you know autobiographical. But he wants to write what's going on out there, and you know, in in a very pro in a very prosy, you know, very creative writing writing way. So that's of course when Gordon looks at it, says, you know, bleep this. This is like, it reads like bleep bleep bleep. <laughs> Write something in, in bleep in English, okay, or whatever, or bleep in Russian, or whatever. You know, we're speaking right now. You know, bleep in Pakistani. Uh. Yeah, you might not know what language you're you're currently <laughs> writing in. Yeah. Well, no, talking in. Yeah, you're because you, you can all read it, but at the same time, it's like yeah. It's probably not going to be Americans, German, Americans, Chinese, Russians, or whoever guarding the portal. It'll be one of the uh, rotating nations in the Security Council down there guarding because they're not as political as would be having China, Russia, United States down there guarding it. Well, also, their forces are bigger and got a lot of more important things to do. So they're going to say, oh, yeah, UN forces, yeah, you want to be involved with the fringe-worthy thing? Fine, send some of your forces to guard the portal. And they're like, oh, man, this is B-word duty, you know. <laughs> well, actually, the Pakistanis are lucky because they actually have an alpine unit, so they're used to cold weather. So they actually, it's an alpine unit that was sent down there. It's it's actually not bad duty because most times you just sit there and it only takes a handful of guys to guard the actual portal. And then we come to Sayuri. 
Are her motivations her own, or are they imposed on her internally by whatever Schmirt did to her? I would think the answer would be both. Yeah. Or yes. Yes. <laughs> because ultimately, Schmirt wants some wants her to do something. Yeah. A, a part of that that plan that Richard keeps talking about. Yeah. I mean, some most folks think that she's just Schmirt's sock puppet. Yeah, none of the goals are her, but she she does have goals. I mean, she is a scientist. I bet she would love to actually have gone to be the first one on Mars instead of Gordon Conrad, because she would she would this is she probably would have gone right to the limit of her air supply before she came back. I could tell you that <laughs> that much. Well, she's the one who left for a week. Yeah, disappeared for a week. We don't know if that was of her own volition or just it took Schmert a week to do where he did to her. You know, you never know. But yeah, she, uh, from her own recollection, a memory that we, we, I hate to say it's suspect, she walked the 50 miles to the, to the, to the alt, port, alt platform and walked through what she thought, what turns out to be the junkyard portal, uh, but not the portal she actually walked through. So we think Schmart did some finagling there, or maybe she never ever stepped foot on the platform at all and she went straight to uh, Schmert's little hideaway. Or, may, or maybe she stood there on the Earth Prime platform and Schmert just I- implanted all that information in her head and then gave her a pat on the head and pushed her back through the portal. And she, re- Because what she remembers is definitely not a week's worth of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So for all we know, Schmert decided, well, I, need, I want to make sure things are nice and running on the other side because you can probably just take a look through and see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. We've always said that that the portal was basically set up with an alarm because that's the one where you know uh, Captain Oates was supposed to come back through and he never did. And so yeah. when someone came through, Schmert was said, "Hey, look, the portal got used again. Hey, maybe Captain Oates finally showed up again." Because as an immortal character, it's pretty easy to forget about the fact that other people aren't immortal. And he shows up, and instead of seeing Captain Oates, his buddy, he sees this. Uh, this Japanese girl in a parka, yeah, in a parka, and then uh, and then he proceeds to do introduce at the same as as well, you know, and then he and then he does whatever he did and and messes with her mind and and uh, and gives her implanted memories and then as I say pushes her back through the portal <laughs> and she goes stumbling through and it's now a week later it might take that long to do that he has to you know. If he's if he's doing s- some deep implantations, he probably didn't have that all planned ahead of time. He probably has to sit down and work it out and do all kinds of stuff and figure out what I want to do and how exactly I want to do it and make and 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 because they are to Mellorn, you know, they're gonna. He's not gonna want to turn her into a robot. He's still want, gonna want her to be her own person. But at the same time, he's got his agendas. So you know. I'm just saying is that I can see a week happening during all this process and everybody on the other side are running around, what happened to Yuri? What happened to Yuri? And she pops through and she's like, oh, well, it's, um, I wasn't gone that long. And this is, oh, yes, you were. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine during that week he was treating her a bit like a Meller and doing a debrief. What, what has happened in the, in the mumbling, mumbling years since Captain Oates came through and at least get an update on the history. Sure. I mean, I can see a week going. Um, I can see a lot of things happening in that week. Yeah. You know? So it's it's. I don't see a problem with him doing that. Uh, maybe he took her someplace. Maybe he did the entire thing right there. It's hard to say. Yeah. You know, he you know through his implantation system. Don't worry. 
this one uh, this will hurt only a little bit. Um, oh, here, sit, and cut, and basically open the top of her head up and start playing with her brain. Yeah. Or just hand her, you know, hand her a, a fuzzy-looking kitten, and, and and it's 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 basically a, a mental neural conduit. She's there petting the kitten, and he's there like programming her. Rolodexing her brain, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there more motivations of hers that you want to talk about? But there's also, I would say, there's some family thing. Her her uncle discovered this, and she there. I would say there's a little family pride. She was wants to make her uncle proud of her. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's that that family pride coming in again. You know, it's both external and internal in this case. Face it, Doctor Hatsumi is not fringe worthy. So I would imagine, in some way, he's living vicariously through his niece. Yep, I bet when they come back, they have a nice long talk. What's what, what happened? <sighs> you know, over sake and. Because for everything that Dr. Hatsumi has done, I mean, hell, they named the base after him, for Pete's sake. For everything he can, that all the power that this man now wields in the world, there's one thing he can't do that his niece can. I'm going to try to do things that when I come back, I can tell my uncle of all the things that, through a quirk of fate, I can do and he can't. So yeah, it, that a huge external motivation is basically him living vicariously through her, as well as the scientific, uh, the seeking of scientific truth, plus any and all motives that Schmert downloaded into her brain. Yeah, he said, and for you GMs who aren't who don't actually plan to follow what the uh, Richard's laying out. Feel free to figure out what kind of motivations he's given her. What is what is what is his ultimate plan is for Sayuri, you know. And I will mention Lord, T- you know, Earl Tarrant, Earl Greystone, Greystoke, all, uh, Greystone has the same problems. He also met Schmert in more or less the same way. Oh, I did. Oh, that's something that's been added. No, that was sort of like that was sort of in there in the beginning. You know, he met Schmert. And yeah, pretty much the carbon copy. If you, if you recite the stories, it's more or less carbon copy of the, of the meeting. So that definitely sounds like it's with it was an implanted memory, or Schmertz very particular about doing the same thing twice, one or the other. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Lord, you know, you know, Lord, you know, Lord Earl Terrence is very much uh, he spouts things too, but they put him in charge. Because <laughs> he is an earl, it wouldn't be proper for someone else to be in charge over him, right? And a lot of stuff comes from having a good backstory for your characters. Just saying, oh yeah, I was ex-military and I served, uh, you know, ten years and I got discharged. Where'd you go to high school? Who was your best buddy? Who's your best buddy now? Uh, and I'm all for that, okay, but I know that that's kind of a big burden some, for a lot of people to do. I mean, if you're really into doing that and playing, yeah. you know, but if but as a starting point, I, I think we should go with what Dances uh, um, with Pony suggested, which is, as the very first step, make a bucket list for your character. There you go. Yeah. Okay. 
and then and and make it as despaired as you want okay and then from that you can start saying well why does he want she want this why you know why do they want to do these things and what was it about the past that that that, that created this need and then you could use that to help you write that backstory yeah i mean your backstory that's that's true you could you can create your backstory in you know in, in in the future, so to speak, as you go along. So yeah, you served ten years in the military, and here's your bucket list. And one of the things was to go over in a go over in a barrel on the Missoula flood. That you know that's that's when the big ice dam broke back in the glacier period and flooded the, the badlands here in Washington State. And he wants to ride that in a boat. Why does he want to do that? <laughs> and you take it, and you take that idea, and you and you work out the backstory on that, and you work find out, you know, maybe he was into arch- he was into paleontology and, ge- and geology when he was younger, and went to the military because of you know a sense of familial duty, and you got backstory. Maybe he was a Boy Scout, and somebody, you know, they they went into a um, an an excursion out to like one of these nature centers and some person sat down before a fire with the stars all around and weaved this wonderful story that absolutely captured his imagination and left him with that deep seed to, to someday, you know, it would be cool to be able to do that because the person narrated to him what it would have been like. And he was like, I would really like to do that. And if he can, and maybe he can. Yeah, and that will lead to other ideas. And you and you remember your bucket list is dynamic. You can always add. You can always remove stuff from it. And you can always add stuff to it. Yeah. Yep. Of course, you know that that could also have a dark motivation there, where you find a place where that dam is there, but it's perfectly fine, and you make that dam break. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of dead animals and proto humans. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and we're talking about Zulu Ice Dam, which. Basically, kept a lake the size of uh, one of the Great Lakes, uh, dammed up. Uh, that would probably take a nuke to do, or at least lots, lots of high explosives. <laughs> All those are possible on the fringe pass. I'm sure. If you got any magical ability to create things, you know, any matter, just knowing that you can do it can change everything. And there are, of course, thermal, thermal nuclear weapons that don't require plutonium to detonate. And of course, Bruce's favorite, the fuel air bomb. Anyways, but the point is, is that if you want to do it, you might have to make it happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the likelihood of you arriving just as the dam is breaking is pretty slim. So, but yeah, and you know, and there's other goals too. But yeah, that that's something to consider. Yeah, you can have your basic prototype and then make the bucket list. I'd say put about six to ten items in the bucket list. So you need basically three things on your character sheet. You need your external um, uh, goals, you need your internal goals, and you need your bucket list. And then on a separate sheet, you can write out that that big backstory that that uh, makes your character complete. Oh Lord, Paul was writing out the backstory for his character. He was doing it as he was playing the character, so he kept on going, "Oh yeah, I got to put this down now," and it's like many, many, many pages long. Um, and yeah, it's just amazing. I wish I, I don't think he ever finished it, but it was, you know, we never got to the point where he was, we discovered to be fringe worthy, but we got close. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. 
Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Uh, We hope that you will use these ideas to enhance your play along with all the other ideas we talked about in designing difficult characters, player motivations, and, of course, what's on your character sheet. So, you know, we're all about, you know, superior play and getting the most out of your role-playing sessions, and we hope you are, too. And we'll have other ideas like this and other things about not just Fringeworthy, but all the other TriTech products. But you're going to have to wait till next week. So until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game. Hate the players. This is Richard Tohoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, We'll be after your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.